Hey, thanks for finding us, and welcome back to the Random Fandom with Brandon and Brandon podcast. Celebrating all things geek culture with two best friends. It's all the stuff we love, comics, games, movies, TV, and the occasional bad joke or two. Occasional? Okay, more than occasional. We do a lot the of bad frequent jokes. bad yeah. joke. And it, as always, it's me, Brandon Green, you, Brandon Jewell, and we're here. Thanks for being a part of it with us. We have uh, a lot to talk about. It's been a few weeks since we were able to record. At the time of this recording, it's May 22nd. A lot has come and gone. And we're going to get into a big spoiler-filled discussion, you have been warned, about Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, some other movie news? Uh, we got some updates on a Venom movie. Some casting news there. Also, casting news on the Uncharted movie coming up. Yeah, that one's picking up some steam. Yep. I've been hearing more and more, and it seems to be cohesive with the previous story, so excited to see where it goes. And then we got some impressions on a couple of games that came out, most recently Prey, yeah. which we've both had some time with, Ghost Recon Wildlands, which I've had quite a bit of time with, uh, as well as Injustice. Two. Injustice 2. Yeah, so we got some hands-on time with all that. We'll get into it, let you know what we think. Also, by the way, just like freshly out today... A new Far Cry trailer has come out for Far Cry 5, and it's actually in... Montana. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, or is it? Let's talk about it. And more news on Red Dead Redemption 2, not necessarily that makes gamers happy, but we'll get into all that. We want to let you know that there's a lot to get into, all that we mentioned, and a lot more. But before we even broach the subjects, we need to thank the people that are making this possible. And I don't know how we get continuously replenishing new sponsors... Uh, by the way, if you listen to our last recording, we put out the best of our fake sponsors, Volume 1. It's actually kind of fun to listen back and have a little retrospective. Um, but it's not about the past. It's about looking forward into the future. And we have some new sponsorinos on board today. I went Ned Flanders with it for some reason. <laughs> and we're going to tell you about them. Because without them, we can't do this podcast. So who do we got on the list today for our fake sponsors? The first one came through you. So why don't, I'm going to let you you take this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm the account exec on this one, so yeah. I feel qualified to talk about it. As you should. So we probably, whether or not we know somebody or we know somebody who knows somebody, chances are you're going to run into someone who's an amputee in your life. And I want to let you know about a great new product. They're called Dr. Punsky's Prosthetics. This guy has been all over the globe doing his research, putting together a great product, and now it's finally available for public consumption. As far as fake limbs go, Dr. Punsky's Prosthetics are the real deal. They're made of high-quality material, naturally sustainable, and it's uniquely crafted to meet the needs of each individual. Take, for example, the new line for amputee prostitutes. They're called Hooks for Hookers, uniquely crafted for the individual. No matter what the need, size, or shape, Dr. Punsky... Oh, that's Punsky, where she got that from. Exactly. Dr. Punsky's prosthetics are going to be the perfect fit, and it's going to be the perfect fit without costing an arm and a leg. Well, any more than their life already has. But if these prices are not in your budget, don't worry. Dr. Punsky's prosthetics are going to give you a hand with their new low interest financing. With prices and offers like these, the competitors just don't have a leg to stand on. Dr. Punsky's clients love him so much that he's been given two thumbs up by those that can. Hands down, these are the best prosthetics to hit this generation of amputees. A handy new way to enjoy your life again. Check them out, Dr. Punsky's Prosthetics and drpunskysprosthetics.com. I'm, I'm uh, struggling to react to that. Why? Because it was just very puntastic. Weird. What's in a name? Yeah. Yeah. So why don't I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about our second sponsor here. It's another first timer. Gosh, so, funny how that works. Uh, you know... Times are changing, right? And, and travel is changing too. 
You want to go from point A to point B, you you call an Uber now or a Lyft. You want to stay overnight somewhere, you might go to Airbnb. You want to schedule a flight, somehow you take a kayak to get there? I never understood that. Now, there's another option when looking for a place to lay your head at night. At almost half the price of a regular hotel, you can stay the night in a hotel on a Native American reservation. All you have to do is go to reservationreservation.com to reserve your stay at one of literally three participating reservations. Now, I know you may have concerns about staying at one of these reservations, especially after what your asshole ancestors did to us, but no need to worry, the Native Americans have all but forgotten. So no need to have a reservation about your reservation on one of our reservations. But if you have a reservation, 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 give us a call. At Reservation Reservation, you should have no hesitation to settling on our land. Thank you, ReservationReservation.com. I had a hesitation. About settling on the land. I had a Reservation, 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 which gave me some hesitation. And so I think I'm just going to call Reservation, Reservation. Yeah, either or maybe that I'll or, just go on reservationreservation.com. Or just say F it and stay home for the weekend. But either way, you've got options. So yeah. thank you to all our great sponsors. Again, we cannot do this for you once uh, every six weeks for free without them. But you know what we can do is we can get into an awesome discussion. That, so pick up your game about okay. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's our topic of the week and it's happening right now. So as we said at the beginning of this podcast, we're about to spoil Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in our review. So Brandon, why don't you start us off with a brief synopsis of what this movie is all about? Sure. Um, You know, we are reintroduced to our favorite five defenders of the nebula. Actually, no, that's a bad term. That's a bad term because there's a character character in the nebula. Anyways, the Guardians of the Galaxy and uh you're just trying to avoid yeah saying guardians and galaxy yeah okay very self-aware uh and groot is of course as we all knew even from the trailers that came out like half a year ago he's a baby uh but he's still in the action and they're landing on a foreign planet something about the um what are they called the high priest sovereign the sovereign um they're gold-plated and very like they like the smell of they're very perfect yes yes oh they do yeah i'm sure uh, they'd be driving space Priuses if they could. <laughs> and, you know, it just seems like an incidental little, oh, here's just all the characters. But it actually had such a tie into for things to come. And they're battling a giant space worm. And they're, you know, probably, presumably a few weeks later after the proceedings of their formation and origin story and Guardians of the Galaxy have time to, you know, hang out, get to know each other a little more as Groot is grown up. Uh, Drax is a little more comic-y this time around mm-hmm. and the relationship between gamora and uh star lord is awkwardly progressing in progr- some way yeah, that, yeah that's a good word and so yeah they just have to they've been hired on because they're basically like mercenaries um to whoever the highest bidder is so they're you know literally heroes for hire <laughs> yes uh in space and yeah they're just kind of kicking butt and ragging on each other and getting to know a little bit more about each other and in typical kind of Weasley or raccoon fashion, uh, Rocket steals. He, he has a stealing thing. Remember in the first one, he wanted Peter to steal that guy's fake leg in the prison? <laughs> he just wanted to see yeah. what would happen if he would do it. It was kind of funny. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and in this one, he steals some interstellar batteries that end up playing a very important role later in the movie. Mm-hmm. So that first half hour, I thought, I mean, that's basically the setup. I want to talk about that first half hour later on when you're done with this too. Well, let's kick back into that. No, let's go into the... 
rest of the synopsis. Yeah, and then basically as things progress, they have to get away, you know, from the mess they made for themselves. There's a lot of arguing about who's who and who's better than at doing what. You know, a lot of little lighthearted infighting. And, you know, the story basically tells you right after that, the main focus is going to be Star-Lord and his dad, as they hinted at in the first one. Um, and we get a, a nice little backfill as to who he is and then find out that they go to his planet, which is also him <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> and then we're introduced to some no- new characters and uh, Gamora's half-sister. Uh, you Comes know. back with yeah. a vengeance. Yeah, and she is up to some stuff. And uh, we get introduced to uh, Sly Stallone as a, a member of the... Um, as the old Guardians, actually. Yeah, and uh, like whatever... The, the Ravagers, Riz- they're now called. Yes. He's a particular sect of the Ravagers. And there's an uprising against Yondu. We see what he's been up to since he basically uh, let Star-Lord go because mm-hmm. he actually has very strong feelings for him as we got to know more about from the first one to this one. And yeah, uh, more about Rocket. And you know what? I will say I'm really thankful that this story stood alone but still contributed to the greater upcoming stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I thought it was very awesome how... And basically, if you haven't seen it, the end comes when the revelation that Star-Lord's dad is a planet and a being who can take on any form. And so when he came down to Earth, he took on the form of a human and impregnated Star-Lord's mom. And then he did some weird things. And through a series of events, we find out that those things that Peter Quill finds out, Star-Lord finds out, really turns the tide about how he feels about his dad. He's first over the moon and like I have powers and he's learning about his new powers and then some unsavory news comes his way and he's like well hold on a second and there's a a lot of uh you know infighting between Gamora and her sister or half sister uh and it really packed a lot of emotion into all of this so that's basically a brief overview okay so to get into the finite details in between Let's open it up for conversation. Well, I want to I want to actually start with the beginning of the movie. Sure. That was one of the best beginning sequences of a movie that I can remember. Yeah. Like I love the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with uh I mean it starts out with they're going to fight the giant space worm, right? Mm-hmm. What did you call it? A rift worm? A rift worm. Okay. They're going to fight this giant up. rift worm. Yeah. And there it's almost like at first it just seems like okay, here's a obligatory action sequence to start us off like a lot of those movies do and I, which is great i was totally fine with that but when they when they paired that with some really good classic music mr blue sky and, elo i love that song and baby groot dancing his way through this while all of this fighting is happening in the background it was just it was comedy gold no i think pun it's intended what you would call a, a, a good juxtaposition between the yes. music and the action and the fight and the seriousness of well, it, but and, they're and the way being he, all lighthearted. And the way it, like, the it, yes, it was definitely a great juxtaposition. That word. <laughs> it was a Damn it. It was really a good juxtaposition, yes. And I like the way that it, the, the fighting kind of integrated itself and weaved itself within just the basic dancing of Groot. Because there's just times where he's just dancing and he turned to Gamora while Gamora is just, like, firing this big gun at this creature... And and she's like, Gru, get out of the way. And he just waves and she just goes, hi. <laughs> <laughs> because he's just so cute that even she can't like deny that. Yeah, as, um, as callous as she is. Yeah, and so I, I, just, I just thought that was such a perfect way to start off that movie. And I think that sets the tone 
yeah. of the entire movie to come, and it just puts you in a certain mood. You're like, okay, I like the 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 feel mm-hmm. of this movie. I like what the director has put forth already. You know, because a lot of times that first chapter has to kind of define the mood of the movie. What he did is he showed you this is going to be exactly what you wanted it to be based off the first movie. Yeah, but and also, to that point, kind of piggybacking off that, the first opening scene, it felt like, okay, they're just going to do the same thing they did in Volume 1. Music, some jokes, some sci-fi cosmic action, mm-hmm. and it was just going to like basically like be the same thing just with Were you worried about it at first? At first I was just like this feels just like the same movie. Uh, you know, see, for the fr- I, I for found th- myself smiling the whole time. Well, I wasn't like miffed by it or anything like that. It was just a thought, but then yeah. it really after that scene and after they do the the breakaway from the uh the high priestess and her, you know, drone pilots and all that stuff and then they end up getting rescued by what turns out to be his dad, Ego. Um mm-hmm. it really went in a different direction and, you know, made itself a sequel without just being reliant upon everything that made the first one good. But yes, it, was it wasn't still... a rehash exactly. of the first one. Exactly. Which they could have easily done that. Totally. And they people could have easily lapped it up. Point by point went through the old script. Yeah. I mean, i.e. um, you know, Star Wars reboot and reboot on, on number seven, right? Yeah. It was near exact to New Hope. Yeah. And they did that. It still has some of the elements that made the first one popular, but without just exploiting it and resting on it. Well no Wait, you're saying Guardians did? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I was, I was my, the no, counter. No, to your point about Star Wars. Star Absolutely. Wars was like a direct copy, and they did it because they knew it was a, a recipe that worked. Yeah. And then, whereas this one, they were, they were like, you know what? We've got, we've got the ingredients that we know that works, but we don't know the recipe, and so we're going to create a new recipe. Yeah. The ingredients are the comedy, the action, the characters, but we're going to give it a whole different type of story in this one. And it was nice to to see a comic book movie without a giant beam in the sky. Right. You know, it was like, there was just something different about this one. In the end, it ended up being like a, Earth was in danger of something taking it over. Yeah. The blob thing was kind of, I think a little bit of a cop out. A little bit, right? yeah. But I didn't mind it because everything else surrounding it. It was, was cohesive really to the points that led up to that, at least. Yes. Um. So I'm just going to talk real quickly, if I may, about the things that kind of just made me go, eh. But again, this was a very solid movie, and I really enjoyed it. But I thought they made Drax. Okay, what's his subtitle? Drax? The Destroyer. Right. Not the joke teller, because he was pretty much all jokes, this movie. Even I listened to a podcast with Dave Bautista, the former wrestler, MMA star, turn actor. And he even said, like, not as a criticism, but he's just like, when I first read the script, when we sat down for did our first table read, he was a little more comedy than I thought. And yeah, he wasn't like, of course, the guy's getting paid. He's not going to badmouth it. But you could just hear that he was almost a little disappointed. I've heard, but he has said as much as he can in that same podcast with respects to Infinity Wars. He's like, but Drax picks up the action in Infinity Wars. Oh, nice. He gets back on like that's that destroyer hear. path. I'm like, cool. Because when he's like, ah, oh, my nipples. It was funny, but that's he's a destroyer, man. He's walking around with knives. and That's a really good point because they made that him was not t- who he was in this. Yeah. And, and and like the, his most berserkery type thing that he was doing was stabbing the inside of that, the, but it was the worm at the beginning, corny in a and it, weird and way. And it was, but even then, it was done so comedically. It wasn't done so. I just couldn't take him seriously. You know, this no, guy's fought I, I with totally, Hulk I and totally the thing, and you know, other, th- uh, you know, strong, bruising big guys in you know the greater uh, comic stories and whatnot. And I just like didn't see it here. So I think. They could have toned that down a little bit, but it was still enjoyable. But that's just something I thought it was ultra cheese when after he discovers 
he has powers and he decides to take on his planet dad uh-huh. that he turned into Pac-Man. I was like, really? No, see, I, I didn't mind that at all because it I was... I did. I thought that was... That, that was... But that was telling of his character. Like, we know he's a child of the 80s. That's, uh, this entire movie is reminiscent of the 80s. Okay. And so what he sees as like the ultimate attacking character is Pac-Man. I know that sounds And then when cheesy, he turned into the Hoff... Or yes, saw, it's, it, well, yeah. You thought Hoff, bothered, yeah, was, yeah. That I'm sorry. That that was like okay. No, dude, that's the, the one of the best cameos in here. You know, but you know, David Hasselhoff's going to do a cameo in Baywatch, which comes out this week. We don't need two Hassel- sure cameos in one. You month. can never have too many Hasselhoffs. Well, that's not something I. Are you hassling the Hoff right now? He knows where he's I live, not listening. Dude. <laughs> don't. Yeah, Don't because you have cheeseburgers and vodka <laughs> <laughs> fully stocked at all times in your cabinets and you just can't resist a floor burger. So all in all, though, are those a couple of those are your those are your and one other thing. OK. And again, these are minor quips, just things that I'm like, well, this is worth mentioning. Sure. You know, I just I didn't understand why Ego had to kill Starlord's mom. He's like, oh, and then basically I just gave her a brain tumor because he started to love her. Ah, it still didn't work for me. Well, be, here's okay. It was a. He's like, I it love was your a, mom so much. Yeah, She's I loved so her so much that she was going to hold me back from what my ultimate goal is. So I gave her a brain tumor, so that she would die, and then I can go on. Uh, there, that to me was. There is the other pieces of it where you're like, well, you're a god. You couldn't just like disintegrate her, kill her instantly, or you don't have the autonomy to just be like, I uh, detached. Or yeah, or if you're a godlike creature, you don't have the capability to just be like, yeah, I'm just I'm gonna go on a business trip honey and then just never come or back or fake your own death you know yeah yeah that that to me was like it's different than the comics yes in the comics uh he's actually on earth and aliens come down and kill him yeah i thought that was a, a really good link between the topic that was raised in episode or episode one in the original volume one volume one <laughs> in retrospect now and then uh the basically the answer here in volume two. Uh, I forget the character's name, but the little antennae insect gal. Um, who's Mantis. Mantis, who's basically Ego's slave. But Yeah. Yeah. I thought she I was... I liked her. She, she was, was No, she was a great like, addition. Now I'm starting to go to the positive side of things. Yeah. Um, and, and and I... Uh, sorry, I'll let no, you... go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Okay. Okay. No, Ego. Ego. <laughs> ego, go. Um, no, I was just going to say, I like, I like her really kind and innocent demeanor and and how that bounced off of drax yeah like that was that was good comedy right there where he's just absolutely horrible to her but she just doesn't know any better so she kind of likes it yeah i i thought that was i think just clever well, right you know he's lost his wife and daughter so i think maybe there'll be a yeah an item going forward or something like that which is fine um even though he just tells her over and over again how grotesque and ugly she is yeah but he ends up softening it at the end he's like but i find (laughs) that yeah i find you beautiful on the inside (laughs) my favorite character uh this one i think you know the emotion of like reuniting with your dad i guess as much as it's a a stretch um given the fact that his dad's a planet but i thought it was like that's a stretch (laughs) i really thought it was cool uh, the emotional depth of uh, the backfill of uh, the relationship between uh, Yondu and uh, and Peter yeah. Quill. That was like, that really got me. Well, here's the interesting thing. It's a story about Peter Quill meeting his real dad. And so there's this idea that there's this father-son relationship that's forming. But r- the real story behind it, the underlying story was the father and son relationship 
that has been forming from Yondu and Star-Lord. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool, how that well, I feel like almost, reared its head. It was reminiscent, of, to me, of st- the Star Wars story. Um, hey, we protected you. We never really told you who your real father is because your real father's an kind asshole. Ass, yeah. yeah, and kills people and is not nice and has an agenda. So, yeah, we l- kind of lied to you. What we said is true from a certain point but of view. But for your own good. And I never, and remember Yondu always said like, oh, you know, I, what did he say to Peter? And Peter repeated back to him, I put you to work because, you know, I needed small hands you know, to help get into thieving situations. Okay, yeah. But real life, he was protecting him yeah. and just trying to distract him from the natural instinctive mm-hmm. question that a kid has, like, who's my dad? Which, if we're going to just focus on the Yondu character for a little bit, I like the fact that, you know, he's pushed out because he was transporting these kids, right? Yeah. And they were they, the Reavers were like, that's not okay with us. Ravagers. You were, anyway, Ravagers. so the Ravagers, yeah, he's kicked out of the Ravagers because he's transporting these children but really, in the end, he didn't know what was happening. And when he found out they were dying, he completely stopped. And he ended up taking the one he had with him as kind of as a son and protecting him. Yeah. And so it's like he was kicked out for something that was, yeah, bad. But in the end, it's everything was sort of redeemable because it wasn't done on purpose. Yeah. And I really liked his send off. Like, I was like, oh, that actually felt pretty emotional. It, it did. Yeah. And knowing that that's Michael Rooker, too, and I like him, and obviously he's worked with James Gunn a lot. Um, have you seen, you know, the guy who's now taking, um, I forget his character's name, but he's uh, was Yondu's uh, second in command, and he was a loyalist. Even he's when, the brother of the director. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah, and then he's got his arrow now, the whistling arrow. That scene when he's just whistling, taking out all the would-be um, yeah. turncoats and uh, mutineers and all that. That was awesome. And Rocket was great. The one thing I will say, I really is like, I'm pleasantly surprised they didn't do that. I thought based on the commercials and the trailers, they were going to focus way too much on Baby Groot. Like, oh, isn't he cute? I don't think they did. No, they, I'm saying they really didn't. I That's, really, he had what, two or three main Yeah, the parts opening of the movie. scene, the bomb at the end. Which, the again, jail. Oh, in the jail. In yeah. the jail piece. Yeah. And those are the three. And then other than that. And he, those it, totally fit in, in my opinion. Yeah. Even though... They weren't the pushed. second and the third time were kind of the same thing, trying yeah. to get him to do something that he's just yeah, not focus, understanding. Little idiot. But it, but at the same time, it didn't feel overdone. Even though I talked to another friend who she was like, that it bugged me how much they used him, and I was I like, thought they, really? I didn't think they used him based on everything that w- went into this movie. Like I said, I thought he was going to be overkill. I did too. Like, oh, isn't he cute? The but CG- they, it was just no, enough. It was perfect. It was like that perfect yeah. little amount of an ingredient that just seasons well with everything else. You yeah. Know? I actually, um, I actually liked, um, you know, obviously Groot wasn't in there for any character development, but no. Rocket, you were just mentioning Rocket. A lot of more. He had a lot of character development while still keeping that piece of comedy. Like him. his salty, almost like yeah. New York-y attitude. The way, the way he's like, he's about to die, but he can't stop laughing about the Taser Face's Taser, name. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, you chose the name Taserface? Yeah, that was and, pretty good. And I was like, that's hilarious. Um, and it just shows what kind of character he is kind of on the outside. But then there there was this connection between um, him and Yondu. Yeah, when where they kind Yondu of, says, you're just like me. Yeah, and yeah, they, and and they kind like, of connected on that. Yeah, and, I was really surprised about how much that really hit, you know? And because it, they both put on a front is yeah. kind of what they're saying. Yeah. And even though the front is the character we know best it kind of shows there's more depth to the character yeah. that we haven't seen. There's yet. a heart beating under the, the cold exterior. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie, man. Uh, really worthy of a sequel. Marvel has a lot of good first impressions. And then 
uh, they've been getting better, and you can point to more than a handful, but like some of my favorite sequels, Spider-Man 2, uh, talking back in the Tobey Maguire, Toby mm-hmm. Maguire uh, yeah. uh, go-around, uh, X2, mm-hmm. uh, Captain America 2, and I would throw this one right up there. I wouldn't I would say too. I wouldn't say like Iron Man 2 or Thor 2, because those were kind of like sleepers. No, they weren't very good. No, but this one... No, this one was It was worthy of its name, you know? Yeah. It didn't just... Uh, recycle the first one and just be like oh you'll like it because you like the first one it's like it gave you a reason to like this one on its own merits yeah uh and it didn't like i one of the things i also appreciated is like i said this was a fairly self-contained story but it did have some hints of what's to come in the greater you know infinity wars and all the collaborations to come i liked how they mentioned thanos over repeatedly didn't have to show him once yeah but they're getting him over as the main bad guy to come and a lot well, of and there's some sort of spark there to introducing him again because nebula went after him yes that she's and gone so, rogue so you're like okay now that now that gamora and nebula have kind of rekindled like their the enemy their of my enemy is my friend kind of deal yeah well and they they now have sort of built a better relationship there's a little spark uh, more of, of an understanding yeah. now of where they are at and the hard the hard shit they had to go through with our horrible father. Yeah. And well, Nebula's still so jaded. She's going to go after him. There's no way she can take him on. No way. On her own. And so I'm, I'm wondering if that is some sort of spark to bringing him oh, into the, the a picture. Oh, rescue mission. Is, yeah, exactly. A, a rescue mission for Nebula. Yeah. So. I, I think this movie did a lot of great things. And they with, hinted at some other characters too. Yeah. A, a fair amount of uh, little, four or five little things at the end. Uh, yeah, well, Jeff Goldblum's character, who is going to be in Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Yeah, he looks like a... Uh, Howard the Duck again. Yeah, no no collector this time around. No Benicio no. Del Toro, which I was like, This oh. time Howard the Duck was like out, right? And, and at he a bar. Got, yeah, he got like a line in or two. Um, they hinted at the Watchers. The Watchers, yeah. Um, and, and there's this little internet buzz going around about a, a certain someone we've been seeing in every single Marvel movie who... They're like, oh, now he's with the Watchers. Is he a Watcher? Is that why he's at? <laughs> Would make sense if that was Stanley's and purpose. And that's why he's at all of these. But he seemed like he was like, hey, guys, listen to me. But they're Watchers. They weren't listening to him because, remember, they kind of start walking <laughs> away. But they see everything he's done. I know, but I like I like that idea of, like, are they trying to say that he's a Watcher? It and would and make... that's why he he shows up at these critical points in history throughout the superheroes. I, I, I would don't know. be hard-pressed to disagree with I it. I like that idea. Yeah. By the way, more Marvel talk to come. Uh, we didn't say this at the top, but we do want to uh, get into a little spoiler-filled discussion on Iron Fist. Just want to say that mm-hmm. when we get to our TV stuff. So uh, how would you rate this? Whatever scale or word or what, what just comes to mind? You know, I, well, I, if, I were, if I'm going to rate it, I'm going to go with a number. Yeah. Um, I would put this around a nine, nine point two. <laughs> that's very finite. Thank you for being so. Well, or a ninety-two out of a hundred. Well, that sounds if way better. If that's yeah, yeah, I hate decimals. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this was for me. If like I was just gonna give it a, like I don't know a grade. Not that anyone cares what we think, but just to like give it a thumbs up. It definitely gets t- two of my thumbs up. Uh, both of my what? thumbs up in the air. Like, oh. I, but I do care. Well, it's not as uh, exciting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's like a B plus movie for me for sure. Very enjoyable. Okay, so you're in the high eighties. Yeah. All right. I guess. So good stuff happening with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And uh, hopefully go see it a second time. Yeah. Pertaining to the big screen, more Marvel news. We have uh, now found out that Tom Hardy 
We don't know yet what his official role is, but we can speculate because it's been announced he is cast in the upcoming Venom movie set to release next October. Which changes everything to me. Because like, he's British? Because he's a damn good actor and he doesn't take roles that are going to really hurt him. Yeah. When was the last time you saw him in a movie that you're like, wow, that Tom Hardy shouldn't have taken that one. That, that was a Yeah, he's not out movie. there doing like, nick cage or samuel jackson like he'll just do anything you know no, yeah exactly i feel like he picks his roles pretty well and the fact that he's going to say yes to a venom movie and i'm assuming if he's the one that they're th- that they're naming right now and nobody else i'm assuming he's going to be eddie brock i want him to be which for those who don't know is who the venom symbiote attaches to yeah well in the main iteration of venom Duh. so i'm a, and, and he fits it too because he's He's kind of a, a a little bit of a larger and stronger guy. Yeah. And he has a certain grizzled look about him. Yeah, I could totally see it playing out. And so if that's the case, I, that makes me way more excited about the Venom movie. Just a little bit of a, a geek math. I think it's funny because he, a lot of guys play a lot of different comic characters now, especially in that comic movies are so prevalent. So far he's what, three? Who's the third? Um, so let's assume... Fury Road. Was that not a comic? Wasn't that a comic? I mean, not, yeah, not conventionally in my mind, but that works. Cool. Okay. Um, but let's face it, he was Bane in yes. uh, Dark Knight Rises. Is yes. That, yeah. And Bane, of course, even though they didn't say it in that movie, Bane's secret serum is called Venom. So it would be very, uh, huh. What cool. if this is the, what if this was all just done as like a troll by some internet oh, nerds? I'm, it's completely possible <laughs> in this day and age. And we have to take everything, unless we're the ones seeing the ink dry on the paper. That's with true. our own eyes, we have to take that with that potential, you know, grain of salt. But let's hope. Um, and yeah, just more hype for the Venom movie, even though it's, you know, it's what? very far away. Still. Yeah, no, we've got a ways to go. But so uh, you're talking October 2018 is what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. Okay. That was the last date I saw as a tentative release. So, so another thing that's out there in in the vast future, probably 2018 or maybe even 2019 by this point. Uh, th- as we know, we've discussed on this podcast before. There's talks of an Uncharted movie uh, directed by Sean Levy. Yep. And just announced that Tom Holland is going to play a young Nathan Drake. Mm. Mm. Is, that, is that your reaction? I, eh. I feel like calling bullshit on that one. That just, really? That seems, Why? I don't know. I just don't see it. I think it... I mean, okay. Granted, I don't know this kid. We've, this... we've seen him in like literally 10 minutes of a movie. And we didn't really even see him. You right. Know, we saw his voice attached to the Spider-Man character and then a few minutes at the very end, you know. I think so here's what I think it is. Sony Sony has Tom Holland signed on for Spider-Man and they're trying there. to keep him in the Sony universe. Got a real Sony good point there. Owns Uncharted. So I think what they're doing is they're kind of saying, here's another big franchise in the Geekverse. They did mention that he's going to play a young Sean Drake. Or Sean Drake, sorry. <laughs> a young Sean Drake. <laughs> A young Nathan Drake. So I'm wondering if there's like two parts to this movie. If there's him as a younger kid, right? Like just going... Because if you were to play the most recent game, there were certain parts... Oh, like the orphanage. Where, where him and his brother, exactly. Where yeah. him and his brother are... It's kind of giving you some of their history. And then you're also playing him as an older adult. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to do it that way or if they're going to start with him much younger and then say two to three years later, come out with another one where he's older, two or three years later, another one. I don't know. Yeah, I th- 
I mean, I'm cool with whatever. I just, that just, I, that's just something I find hard to believe, but I've seen weirder castings happen. So. Yeah. But let me argue some point though. Okay. Anybody else cast as Nathan Drake, anybody cast as Nathan Drake, who's supposed to be in that age, fans are going to say it doesn't fit. So the smart way to do it from Sony's perspective is to not put him in the same age as he is in the video games. If you're going to make Much this, agreed. If you're going to make the same character, start him out at a different time to whereas it's more believable that that person can grow up to become Nathan Drake. You know who I thought would actually make a good Nathan Drake when I when we first talked like how many ever months ago, how many ever recordings ago about mm-hmm. the fact that Sean Levy's name was being floated out there to direct the potential uh, Uncharted movie? Uh-huh. I thought, man, at present day Nathan Drake, and this was you know right around the time four came out. I thought Ryan Reynolds actually, if they put like some some facial hair on him and whatnot, he could make a good Nathan Drake, like a wisecracking. He could asking, actually. Too bad he's too many other things now. Well, he, yeah, and and he's he's way more charismatic. Oh, absolutely. He's way more charismatic and funny than Nathan Drake ever is. But Nathan Drake can crack wise here and there. He can. But that's not his. Ryan Reynolds would have to like tone it down a little bit. He would really have to tone it down, and I almost feel like that's a waste of Ryan Reynolds because for sure Ryan Reynolds is really good in his absolutely most ridiculous. I agree. Just a little side thought. Hopefully, we keep hearing more little bits and pieces. This has been like a long line of uh, yarn, you know, from the time it came out to the time it's going to be completed. But uh, I look forward to it and seeing. You know, I, I love just the hope that we get with video game movies. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the knowledge Here's, that they're yeah. probably not going to work out but like when i saw that gears of war was going to make a movie i'm like oh please be everything i want it to be or something like this well, but look at assassin's creed right the writings on the wall to assassin's creed was like this is going to be a good movie because look at the tone it's taking look at the people that are starring in it right and it turned out to be shit we never even saw it because it was like why what's the point when nobody likes this movie yeah even though Tom Hardy, for example, signing on as Venom, as I was saying earlier, gives me more confidence. We can only hope. It still doesn't mean it's going to be a good movie. No. Um, and same with Tom Holland, right? Tom Holland signing on. Yeah, he seems like a fun kid, but it doesn't mean it's going to be a good movie for Uncharted. Switching mild gears. Uh, again, Sony. They ended up doing six Resident Evil movies in total, the last of which just came out this earlier this year. And the final one was chapter. good. The first one. Yes. It was barely good and i remember oh, i liked it i remember seeing theaters and be like this is i remember resident. seeing wait i remember seeing this yeah okay i'll agree seeing the first one you're like this isn't resident evil but then the good parts of resident evil they totally abandon yes. and increasing just recklessness as the movies went on and just popcorn well, they made her they made her stupid they made her just too much of a superhero and that's not what yeah undefeatable is, they made her undefeatable and this is about the, the whole the whole Resident Evil series is at least based on the video games is about real people. Yeah. In these situations where, where it was the, zombies. There was very little continuity between yeah. uh, movie to movie. Like you would swear like the movie franchise spans like a hundred years. Like remember in the third one, they're like in a California desert or, and then like they go back and there it's all future tech and they just were hopping. I mean, it looked like literally it, it, it did. It's, it did what the, the matrix did where they tried to go too big and that just made everything oh. that they've created just go out the window. They outshot themselves style. is what they did. Um, so all that to say, would you really want a reboot? But I got to say, there's been, for what it's worth, but there's been some uh, 
you know, preliminary talks of uh, James Wan, you know, who's been attached to like the Saw movies and The Conjuring oh. and some stuff like that okay. is uh, supposedly going to be... Uh, if that's the case, then they're specifically going with a horror director. Doesn't that deserve it? It's Resident Evil. No, I'm saying it does. Yeah. But that what I'm saying is that that shows you the direction that the studio is ra- would rather take this. They'd rather take it to something that's probably more of a little bit of a horror based instead of action based, or maybe a good totally mix of in the two of that. versus what has previously been. Dude, Resident Evil became Michael Bay. It did. Yeah, like dumb slow mo. But the action. history is based in the unaware of what's in the corner horror. Yeah. Like or, I would be, or basic jump scares. Yeah, even. and like some fixed camera angles. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, so anyways, just I don't know if this is how concrete this is, but there have been some stories from you know reputable sources saying it's been announced with no real further follow-up, but yeah. uh, that they're going to be doing a reboot just months after the last chapter came uh, out. But see, everything that's... gets rebooted nowadays, so why the hell not? We're doing our third reboot of Spider-Man coming up, you know? But here's here's why. Sony gets themselves into these issues where they're dealing with characters they did not create. And so, per contract, uh, they're giving they're giving royalty, royalties to these creators, right? They're mm-hmm. saying, hey, you guys, Capcom, you guys created the Resident Evil franchise we're going to make the movies and you're going to get a certain percentage. But to make sure you keep making money, we're going to promise to make a Resident Evil movie every X amount of years. Yeah. And it and just so, becomes And if we don't, manufactured. This is the same thing with Spider-Man. If we don't, after say 4 years of not making a movie or whatever that number is, the 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 license goes back to you. Yeah. So, and that's the way Sony does their contracts. So, the same way that they're dealing they do these reboots after reboots of of Spider-Man, I would not be surprised if that's why the Resident Evil series kept on getting sequels made when they didn't need it. And now that those sequels are done and nobody wants them anymore, they're going to do a reboot this soon after. The only thing I can say is when this ever this comes to fruition, any reboot that's better than Fantastic Four <laughs> okay. at least deserves a chance. Well, and see, th- that's another example. Oh, completely. Yeah, good point, anyway. man. Good Good nerding out. Thank you. Uh, and one last little tidbit about movies. Without going into super a lot of details, uh, this story just came out today, to my knowledge. Uh, Zack Snyder will not be finishing, at least to like 100%. He's not going to um, be able to uh, put the finishing touches on Justice League uh, for very personal reasons. But uh, you know who is going to step up? and Joss Whedon. Yeah. So talk about cross-pollination. I love yeah, it. It's really interesting. So uh, apparently Zack Snyder was showing rough cuts of the final movie to friends and uh, you know other directors and uh, unfortunately this tragedy happened where he's got to take himself out of out of finishing this movie and promoting this movie and spend time with his family. But in all of this Joss Whedon is stepping in to take over the last pieces of this movie and that includes uh, some writing as well as directing some extra scenes yeah. and filming extra scenes. And then ultimately it sounds like he's going to have kind of that full control over the full polish of it yeah, about what the end result looks like. Yeah. And so is this is, it's a really sad situation, uh, which we're not going to get into, but I mean, at least from the geek side, we're happy that we have a very competent director 
taking this movie on. Who's already the, into that kind of stuff. Who's already into this kind of stuff. And apparently he's friends with Zack Snyder. Oh, it makes total so, sense, yeah. So that's, it's, it's great that Zack w- Snyder has support from the, the studio right. as well as his family and friends and that he can take this time off. And this movie is still going to get made by a very, very good, competent director on this so. subject matter. Yeah, you go look at Joss Whedon's, um, you know, resume and it makes sense oh yeah and then you know how a few months ago we talked about hey is joss whedon maybe going to be doing the supergirl oh yeah excuse me yeah uh this would definitely lend itself to that being uh, a foot in the door for being you know in with uh the dc Warner brothers yeah yeah thank you very cool so that's all we got on movies i will tell you real quick sorry not to contradict myself i went and saw without brandon uh alien covenant and oof is rough I want you to go see Man, it. Maybe we can discuss you were, it too. You were mentioning that to me, and I kind of want to poke and prod about it, and I don't want to give any uh, spoilers away here. Yeah. But you were very psyched about it, and I was not because Prometheus was quite bad, in yeah. my opinion. Prometheus I almost like was Prom- kind of Prometheus a mess. better. Oh my God, that's horrible to hear. Kind of. And but- so, so you being a fan, and I'm sure your expectations were higher than mine, but you went and you're saying that it's really not that good of a movie. It was just not, I was disappointed for reasons that I hope to get into later. So I still would encourage you to see it okay. just for the sake of, you know, having to compare and contrast. No, I don't yeah. want to. But don't let me tell you, you know what I'm saying? Okay. But just know that if you come back and agree with me, well, you, we'll see. Well then, you know what? Let's um, see, see you telling me that lowers my expectations. Ah, maybe I'm doing you a favor. And I'm not saying it was you, bad. I just, like I said, I was disappointed. Well, well, my, I'm not going to tell yeah, you. Yeah, no, I, and that that's good. But when you when you lower my expectations, and then I see something, and I'm like, it wasn't that bad. It's almost better for me. Cool. And and that is a great tie into our <laughs> television topic. Go for it. Because we're only going to say one thing about TV, but we do want to talk about Iron Fist. So let's get into that right now. So as I was saying, you previously told me about Iron Fist and you were like, man, it is boring. And that got me to the thinking, well, then I don't want to watch it. And you I'm were glad like, to not have that much and power you were kind you. of like, no, you should watch it so, so we can discuss it. And then so um, I decided I'd start it and I didn't mind it that much. Hmm. I was watching it and I was like, you know, it's not as bad as I expected it to be based off of what the internet says and what you were saying. And so once again, my lowered expectations in the show Iron Fist really kind of actually was a positive thing for me because even though it was by far the probably the worst out of all the Netflix uh, Marvel shows yeah I did I still thought it was worth watching okay uh, I will say that when I last touched on it with you I was about five or six episodes in yeah it was actually after those episodes whenever uh, the episode in which he has to answer the challenge of Madame Gao and fight oh yeah that's when it actually I was like, okay, when there's this is, finally some action. Yes. When, yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, this is picking up. The show was inconsistent by its own oh, I was so hoping standards. you'd say inconceivable. It was inconceivably inconsistent. Oh, okay. So he needs to balance his chi. He doesn't know how to summon the fist. He has to get beat up real bad until it comes out. Then other times he can yeah. turn it on and slide down elevator shafts. What the hell? Dude, yeah. They, there they was, were so inconsistent. There was some real poor writing, and I Very do bad. not think that, even though as far as acting goes, the main character, I don't remember the guy's name, maybe you do, but who plays Iron uh, Danny Fist. Danny Rand. 
No, no, no. Uh, the guy who plays him. Yeah, I forget his name. So the guy who plays Lawrence Danny Tyrell. Rander, I, Iron Fist, he did an okay job, but I feel like he was not the right fit for this character. Yeah. Well, and he was a poorly defined character, too. Yeah. He's a... They a, wrote him to be a whiny bitch yeah. half the time. And then he... In episode one, he pulls a gun on a guy, on Ward Meacham. But then uh, the next episode, he's teaching Colleen's students about being Zen, and then he wants to challenge a kid and fight him. And he, he was then he would pummels that drunken master guy yeah. later and beats him to death. He's just so inconsistent. I try to get say I get that they're trying to say like, hey, he was a kid robbed of his childhood, and so sometimes the kid in him comes out. But I think it's more. I think it's not so much that he's a kid and that kid comes out. I think it's that. He's got these inner demons that are coming out, and his training has not finished for him to be rid of those demons. Yeah, and hence, then he, hence he doesn't why know he what left, he wants. Hence why he left in the first place. That's that's a good point. To guard his gates? Yeah. Whatever that was about? I don't remember. I I don't know. So The yeah. gates of Kunlun were open, and he saw a bird, and, but then maybe... He thought that was his chance to escape, but maybe it was mean something's coming in. That's the thing. When the gates are open, that that means that that's when Kunlun is at, at risk most. Yeah. And then, but he were to leave during that time, yeah. and I, I, I don't know. Like they didn't go into the backstory of Kunlun at all. No, they really didn't. But even even and just who, from the basic stuff, you're like, no, Danny, that was a dick move. Oh, completely. Like that was just a dick move. You make it so that it's hard for the 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 audience to want to cheer for you. Yeah, and he did a lot of selfish things in this. He was very selfish, um, but he was also really sweet and naive at times too. When he promised to help that lady, even though he didn't know he's being filmed, you know, because yeah. their company. Here's the thing: what does Rand do? We never find out what Rand. They're, no, they're a pharmaceutical company. Oh, you're right. Yeah, we okay. did find that out. Well, it just wasn't very memorable to me, I guess. Yes, uh, exactly. Okay. Um, I could have done completely without the Meachams this season. You okay. know what I mean? They were so just like boring and like days of our lives. And, you know, like, and Ward was all over the place. They did like five seasons worth of turns and characters with him in yeah. one season. Like, I'm a rich white guy. I'm an asshole. It, oh, now I'm a drug addict. Now I'm crazy. Now I'm trying to kill my dad. Now I'm trying to protect my sister. Now I'm going to be nice to Danny. It's just yeah. like, I couldn't keep up with him. I, I get that. I totally get that. But he was at least, at least you understood why he was going through that shit. Yeah. Versus there's certain things that whether it's because of uh, the story does not explain it or whether it was just written wrong, you don't get an understanding of why Danny Rand, Iron Fist, was the way he was. Yeah. But there was at least uh, some something to base the changes off of, um, what's his name, the other Ward. Ward Meacham. I don't know. I And then there's just too many bad guy hands in the in the pot. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm well, Bakudo. There was, I'm, uh, yeah. His turn was way too fast. You know, they introduced him, he helped them out, right? And then he just like, oh by the way, I'm bad. It was like really too fast. They could have slow burned that a little better, I thought. And is Madame Gao really bad? Meh. She's Oh, she is. But but she's, she's very not smart. His, she had a really interesting. She was the best character this season by yeah. far. She had a really interesting line when she said, "I was interrogated for most of the seventeenth century. century." She was probably the first original immortal by the. And hand. you're just like, what? Yeah. Like you are not just yeah. some old lady. Like no, and remember she like just force pushes him. Oh yeah, and like, there's no explanation about that. Oh, she's a Jedi. She yeah, clearly, yeah. Even her name sounds Jedi. Madam Gao, but yeah. then she'd be Sith because she's kind of bad. So she's probably turned to Jedi. Oh yes, yeah. Um, 
there was there was just a lot of inconsistencies. One, two things. Again, okay. My brain nitpicks small things sometimes, but it's like comically like, oh yeah, huh? That doesn't really add up. So one of the many times when Ward's having like an overdose or whatever, and Joy's like, oh, I'll save you. When he uh, purposely bashes his hand outside the hospital, yeah. And then he starts getting aggro, and they have to call security, and Joy comes to pick him up. Uh-huh. Um, they clear. There's a little product placement right when she's putting him in the car. They clearly pan to the front of the car, so you can see a oh. Hyundai logo. They're billionaires. And why would they be driving in a Hyundai? Why would they be driving a Hyundai? Yeah. I was like, no, that's shitty product placement, and I don't buy it. Yeah. And then I hit my dog, and then um, in my Hyundai Sonata. Well, of course. Yeah. And <laughs> then another thing that made no sense. So Claire, right? Yes. She's the tie-in, as usual. Mm-hmm. She had two martial arts classes that we saw on screen with Colleen. Yeah. And then at the end, when Gao's men come for her, when they've got her tied up, She's taken in their army, their military, like you know, probably like contracted military. She's taking them out with ninja weapons that she picked up in yeah. China. I was like, no way. Okay, her, but, I but get. You're supposed to get the feeling that because they, her and uh, what's her name? Colleen. 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 Well, our, what's our with friends? all the rhyming in this season too? Ram battles the hand. Colleen wing. There was a lot of stupid rhyming. You know I'm right. I don't. I think that's Rand just in hand. Good. No, they laid a groundwork that she has been at that dojo for a little while now. Yeah. So you got the feeling that her and Colleen were friends and have been doing this for a while. So she's supposed to have gotten training in between the last time we saw her. The very, but you're right. It doesn't make sense that she's taking out military, military, who like knocked out the power and like smoke bombed the place. Yeah. That, that doesn't make sense. Another thing that also didn't happen, uh, after, uh, they ha- Bakudo tries to uh, fight them at Rand Enterprises in the hallway, and he sends his men after them. So you know, Danny charges up his fist, and he's doing his thing. Um, Colleen is literally battling a guy with her sword, and he's blocking it with his gun. Why wouldn't he just turn the gun on her? It literally, you go back and watch that scene; it makes hmm. no sense. I he's don't know. I didn't blocking notice. her incoming sword strikes with a gun. I'm like, wouldn't you just back off and be like? I will shoot you if you don't stop. It was so <laughs> obvious. And it was just like that. And the fighting was very inconsistent. At one point when he's fighting Davos, which I really like because he kept talking about Davos and yeah. getting into trouble, like stealing liquor from the mule cart or whatever. Uh, and then that guy turns out, oh, that's Davos. But you knew how that one was going to end because he was not going to. I gonna... know. I thought that relationship was kind of jacked. Like, like I th- Well, he I totally like... dicked Davos. Davos was just trying to stand no, up for Kun Lun. I, I agree with you. But they, okay, you were talking about how boring the first five episodes were. They were. Have less of that and more in the middle of him and Davos. Maybe doing some flashbacks so you get this understanding. Yeah, that, they only did after they, they showed grew him on up screen. together. Yeah. And, and so, so that makes it so that you understand where Davos is coming from when he's jealous of Danny or when he's angry at Danny or when he just wants to bring him back. And you just, there's just, there's more there there when 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 you get a backstory and we didn't get that. No, we really didn't. We had way too much time of Danny Rand getting used to his life in New York and yeah. that was not as necessary. Which makes me very puzzled by the ending. The last 2 minutes is them going to come on the gates are open there's dead monks and it's like and that's it. It's clearly Bakudo cuz remember he got stabbed in the heart but when they turn their so? back okay. which they is it clearly a a, yeah, a, a dumb move. Then he's up and gone, and then we never see what happens to him or hear from him again. That to me says Bakudo, and he's knowledgeable of the hand. Madame Gao's still in like captivity. She's still at that compound. No, she's not. 
What, what happened to her? At the very last scene, Davos and Joy are talking at a coffee shop. Yes. And they're, they look like they're going to be the next villains. Yeah, and why does and, she want and, uh, uh, Danny dead now? Or why is she at least entertaining the thought when she's been... She was so pinballed on him. Like, so, well, right, exactly. God damn, this show and is so, so inconsistent. Madame Gao was sitting at another table with her oh, back right. to them listening. You're right. You're totally so, right. So there's so she got something out. orchestrating there. Yeah. You I, got the feeling that she could have kind of get out whenever she wanted and she was just sitting there biding her time. Yeah. Um, she was awesome. But here, okay. So I know we've been railing on this for a really long time and it wasn't written that well and there's a lot more things we can point out that were wrong that were good than were good. But all in all, I didn't mind watching it. I was still entertained for the most part while watching it. Wasn't it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be based on it's, the first few episodes. Yeah, it's like... He's it's, like homeless the first episode and then he's in a mental institution. It's Come a... On. Um, it's, it's like a, a Matrix 2. It's like that Revolution middle round. Revolution Reloaded. Fuck if I know. It's the... <laughs> it's the... Um, good transition from the last good things we've seen from Marvel Netflix onto the defenders yeah and that's all that is is bringing him into the loop yeah and then keeping up with who was the good hand and the bad hand but we're not like them it, well it, i have a feeling that's going to come out in the defenders it should bakudo's still out there madame gao's still out there and then everyone from all the previous episodes the tie-ins were good with colleen i'm not colleen uh claire hogarth uh they mentioned luke cage remember at one point danny's mm-hmm. wearing his bullet ridden yeah, shirt Yeah, i thought that was clever there's like little things like that and we know that they're going to meet each other so you know what it just sucks that this was the last bridge that connects, like the last sure. exit we had to take before we get onto the Defenders yeah. Highway. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be based on, like I said, how the first few episodes went. Let me just say that I have wanted to or have gone back and watched some episodes, if not all the episodes of previous seasons, to be like, man, this was good. I want to watch this again. I will not want to do this with this show. No. Yeah. No, I agree. It, it, Iron Fist Season 2... You know what? Learn from your mistakes. We'll call it good. Pat on the back. Go try again next time. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I agree. All right. That was fun. Fun. Yeah. Uh, and angry. So we need to get into uh, some video game talk before we end this podcast with our normal stuff. Uh, our normal stuff. So are you saying you want to do that right now? Let's get into games. Since we last recorded, Prey has come and gone, and before its release... It hasn't gone. Well, it's going. I know you're... Just, yeah. It's a saying. It's been released. And uh, <laughs> Shut up. And right before the uh, release date, they put out the first hour, and we got some impressions with that, hands-on time with it. Mm, man, I got to tell you, this game, I don't know. I'm not really excited to play any more of it, if indeed that hour they put out is the actual gameplay. You know, because for two main reasons, the combat is sloppy. The melee, you look like you're... It, you know, it's not even the combat. It's the it's the stupid little spidery things that you're fighting. Well, yeah, and... It's, 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 the it's mimics not, or the whatever they're called? Yeah. yeah. It's not... Um, the problem isn't the, the main character with a crowbar trying to hit these mimics. See, I thought it was. Or whatever the weapons were. It's... It's the fact that the the mimics jump around too much, and the game creators really made it difficult to hit, but almost yes. to the point where it's annoying. And so, yeah, it's like, like, okay, this is it's just like, frustrating. It's like it's it takes normal combat, like you know, I mean, that's something that we would see in a Half Life game, right, yeah. where you have a crowbar Very and you hit so. something that's jumping at you. But the creators just made the the 
mimics just jump around like crazy, and that got annoying. It got very annoying. Yeah, you're like, okay, now you're just being dumb. But at, at the same time, that's what's supposed to start you out, and it was just introducing you to this new type of genre of a horror game yeah where you can walk into a room and you have to it's almost like a puzzle in itself Mm -hmm. you have to kind of look around and be like what does which one of these is not like the rest right yeah or wait a minute there's there's one desk why are there two chairs basic stuff like that the thing is that like in this first hour they wouldn't even let you sneak up on something it'd just be like oh and then the music geez louise guys i I do not want to play this game if it, if it's a great game. If that is indeed how the music is, yeah, uh, not the music, but just the sound, like the the mixing and the mastering, the levels are all off, and all of a sudden you can turn it down. But still, I remember when we turned it down to fifty, and it was still jarringly loud. Yes, it's just like, is this going to happen? Every it was. There's no the subtlety. The music itself was jarring. Yes. Yeah, was, and then they just bring it up, and it's like this weird techno '80s horror. Well, and the weird thing is, is, sound. It was that bad. happens. Every time. Well, that well, yes, but that happens when something behind you like changed, right? And you walked right past it and didn't know it. Yeah, it doesn't and let you'll, you like, discover it. And you'll like turn around and you still don't see anything, and you're like, okay, wait. So I I, I know that means it's here, but I could easily just keep walking. <laughs> yeah. And I I would appreciate if that was something. And it seemed like they did it every single time you encounter something, yeah. whether it's attacking you or it's in the room with you, and it just it allowed for. I wasn't allowed to second guess. Like, wait, what? What's going on here? What is this? No, it's like music's on, music on. Something's wrong. It's just, it was bad. Um, so you've got the, the game, the full game on GameFly. Yeah, I got the full game, and unfortunately, the time I played was pretty much the exact time of that first hour. Yeah. that they. I could gave see this out. being a really good game, but if those two things are, you know, prevalent throughout the game, I just couldn't consider myself wanting more yeah yeah so well and i'll you know let's let's move on to that but but we'll move on to the reason that i haven't been playing uh prey oh good is segue. because i also got injustice 2 okay and justice 2 um as we know it's it's a fighting game from the creators of never realm right never realm who were doing the mortal Kombat games and it's very similar adjacent to uh mortal Kombat 10 it is it well introduced it's very you to all the characters that, and it's very similar to uh, the previous Injustice game. Yeah. Uh, I I like this game a lot, but I can tell it's like a flavor of the week situation. Oh, completely. I like this game. I, I'm, I'm curious to go through the story, and I'm curious to play through every character, but the story is absolute garbage. It's so ill-conceived. It's, it's just like, it's like the writers were sitting there and they had to go, okay, how do we write a story that gives a reason for character A and character B, who are s- supposed to be on the same side, to fight each other. Yeah. So they created, and I like the original concept, which is where Superman is now angry because uh, he he was, in the previous game, he was forced to kill Lois Lane, not forced to, tricked into killing Lois Lane uh, by the Joker, and then he ended up killing the Joker, right? Who's back in this one? Kind of, <laughs> kind of, um, and and so, but then it was. What's weird is that that didn't make him feel bad. It gave him a taste for like blood, and then yeah. he just wants to go out now he's and a kill every villain. But here's what gets me: is he says, 
uh, no, I think all villains should now be actually killed. And he's got but, people believing him. But you got people like Wonder him. Woman who is Str- killing people. Straight up tries to kill Harley Quinn. Yeah, no, she straight up like slashed and stabbed her. Yeah. And left her there to die if it weren't for Supergirl. And and so it's just this like, it's not believable. Yes. In, it's um, very hard to follow. Because you, you you know these characters and you're like, that's not, that's not what that character would do. That's not what that character would do. And there's some characters like Robin... He joins the side of, and this is not really much of a spoiler. Ro- Robin is with Batman, and then he he hears Superman's side about these people deserve to die; they're crazies, and he gets Victor's ass. Who's and they even say he's killed 126 people or something like that. And then Robin kills Zaz and says, "Look, that's it. That's done. How many lives did I just save?" And at the same time, I'm like, "Yeah, that's absolutely true. How many lives would have been saved?" If Batman just killed the Joker, but like they turn into, they turn evil. It's, it's weird. It's not like two good guys just with opposing viewpoints. It's like Superman turns up straight evil. Yeah. They make it's weird. Yeah. And I get what they were trying to do to have like a, a, a modus operandi, a reason to care for this story. But yeah, the, yeah. the finished product is not good story-wise they, um, they really should have just stuck with villains and, and heroes absolutely in my opinion yeah they were trying to blur the lines um it didn't really pay off but it makes for at least a i wouldn't say cohesive but the story moves even if it's in a weird way in a frankly wrong direction it at least moves yeah um but and the, i keep playing the story and yeah. i'm curious and it, it, it does exactly what mortal kombat 10 did similar to what injustice the first one did it's like, oh, now you're going to play as this person. And I like when it gives you options. I was like, okay, now you're a duo who wants to tackle Gorilla Grodd. I like, like that, that too. That's fun. Um, and there's a lot of uh, incentive to play different characters, but also maybe develop one more than the other because you can get you know enhancements for them and levels in, up for yeah, them. Yeah, not in the story mode, but yes, yeah. in others. Yes. Um, and I just, aesthetically, this game is beautiful. The, they, Facial animations tell, look so good. You could tell so much time was spent on the cutscenes. Yeah, the voice acting is really quality too. It's and just the facial expressions are yeah, great. It looks really good. Uh, it's a very smooth play. Like you don't have to be a button masher, but you can still get something out of not knowing anything. You yeah. know what I mean? You can figure out a rhythm on your own. And that's why. And so I. I that's why I did like this game. I do like this game. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty because solid. it's such a flavor of the week. Is why I'm I'm playing this over Prey. Because I know that Prey is going to we'll take more there. of my time. Yeah. And it'll still be there. Yeah, two um, months from now, I don't think many people are going to be talking about Injustice 2. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, speaking of Flavor of the Week, uh, I, I did recently get Ghost Recon Wildlands. You know, that game has a lot of potential because it's an open world game and I could see a lot of fun in what you're doing. Yeah. But it, out of all open world games, I'm just like, there's so much more out there to play. Yeah, who has time right now? And I don't have time. Exactly. I don't have time to play Ghost Recon Wildlands. And if you're not going to be like a top-notch open world game, I'm not going to give you my time. And so even though I saw such potential and I, in another life, I would love to play that game all the way through, I ended up sending it back probably, I don't know, five hours in. Yeah. So. Well, nothing wrong with a sample. Yeah. A little try before you don't buy. Exactly. And then, uh, speaking of buying, have you bought into the new teaser trailer <laughs> oh, for Far Cry segue. 5? Uh, I think it just came out... Today? Yeah, today. It's real weird. short and weird, but the reveal 
is awesome. Yeah. So basically it shows three different serene, beautiful settings and something's going wrong in each one of them. Yes. Something has happened. There's a body floating down a river in one, somebody running through a field in another with a gunshot. And like a scream. And and then the, my favorite is when you hear this bell tolling and as the camera pans and kind of it just lightly in the corner, you see Very what, what it is, is somebody smashing somebody's head into the bell and that's what's making it ring. And so then it's, it's called just like, Far Cry 5 Quasi Moto's yeah, Revenge. What is it, Hope County or something like that? Montana? Hope County, I think, yeah. I think and and uh, notice there's a religious implication that wasn't just any bell, it was at a church because you see the cross yeah. being draped down on this pretty little, you know, whatever. Uh, and So I'm wondering... Obviously, we, we know it's going to be in Montana, and this is basically going to be dealing to with hillbillies. Yeah, this is clearly. Yeah. Um, um, there's dinosaurs in Montana. Yeah. And churches. And it seems like a modern day thing. Um, Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing. I wonder how modern day. Is it like 60s? It could be. Is it like 2017? Within, yeah. Well, who knows? It it could be. It almost had like a feeling of deliverance just real quickly. The yeah. movie, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a, an official reveal trailer coming out may 27th it said at the end of this teaser trailer okay something like that so by the time we record again we'll have a little more to go on but yeah um start hyping it up i'm really excited uh far cry has not had my attention as a franchise since three four was, it was four okay. was great it was okay to me it was, um, it was thin on story for me um you're thin on story to me that's fine that's why we're almost done but stupid. i did not like primal i didn't even play it so it, yeah yeah. Anyways, check it out if you haven't. If you have, then you know what we're talking about. Sad little bit of news to conclude our games topic discussion. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming out, but not until spring. It was originally slated to be released in late 2017. There was rumors of like a November or December release, but nope, not happening. Now it's being pushed back to spring 2018, last we know. But you know what? Good games get pushed back. They yeah, do. This so is, you it's know fine. they're putting their time and effort into this game. Yeah. Not um, all good, not everything that gets pushed back is right. good, but oftentimes good games get yeah, pushed it, back. It so, as negative as it is, because we want it now, 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 it does mean they're making a better game. It's going to be a sweet payoff, I'm sure of it. And but so, uh, that's all we know. We don't know why or when exactly, but tentative release now, officially at spring 2018. So, that's going to do it for our big three games, movies, TVs. TVs. <laughs> we, <laughs> we have watched multiple TVs. Yeah, we have watched so many of them. Uh, anyways, let's get on out of here soon, but not too soon, because we still need time to do our uh, Shadow of the Synopsis and our awesome quote in geek history. Yeah. I've got you for this week's Shadow of the Synopsis. You've got us for this week's <laughs> quote in awesome geek history. Just okay. go with it. Yes. You ain't so as much. So you are going to read me a, syn- a synopsis. I am? Yes. Yeah. And are you gonna, I'm going to uh, see if I can guess it. Is it a little bit more difficult than it's been for the past I, I feel like, several? Because I feel like we've been getting them and we're we're dude, I hear playing that. easy on each other. Yeah. yeah, I I think this one is not easy, but it's attainable. Okay. You follow me? Follow All right. you. All right. So walk, walk with me, talk with me here. Brian, he's not scared of the monster living under his bed. In fact, he gets to know the boogeyman and the pair become fast friends. During the night, when he's taken to the netherworld of monsters, they have a great time making mischief and messing with the lives of sleeping children, but Brian's opinion of his new monster friend and freewheeling lifestyle changes when he discovers that he himself is turning into a monster. Brandon, name that synopsis. I think it's Little Monsters with Fred, with Fred Savage. 
but I don't remember that plot. But I'm gonna say yeah, that's my that's my guess because that's the only thing that came to my mind. Can I'm not telling you if you're right or wrong just yet. But um, speaking of little monsters, sounds like I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Good job. Oh, am I wrong? Can, uh, right. Wait. Okay. You're wrong in that you are right. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So that is little monsters. Good job. I wasn't. I don't think that was a, a complete softball tossed right down the middle. That's a baseball analogy. No, I. I mean, that, it's a very vague enough. Synopsis, yeah, I didn't use. But, but Maurice was the name of his. Uh, the blue okay. monster. Do you remember who played Maurice? No, I would, don't. Would you like to? Yes, please. Howie Mandel. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just remember Fred Savage and his blue monster with the horns. It's not a good movie, but it's a good childhood movie. Yeah, as a child. 89, you know, we were like six or seven watching that. Yeah. Cool. Good job. The streak is alive, and uh, we'll continue to make it hopefully not too easy on each other, but not too hard. Yeah. You know, kind of like Boys to Men. (laughs) Yeah. Not too hard, not too soft. Just right. Yeah, Motown Philly. So uh, we're going to end it here with the awesome quote in geek history. So in light of the news that Red Dead 2 is going to be delayed. Mm-hmm. I thought, I don't want to wait that long. So for the, our awesome quote in geek history, I thought, I want to play one of my favorite quotes from Red Dead Redemption 1. Here it is. In about 15 more seconds, your whole world's going to turn black. <laughs> What's up, boys? <sighs> Fuck off, boy. This don't concern you. When a man with a sing-song voice tells me to fuck off, it always concerns me, boyo. You know what's weird is... I love John Marston. Yeah, he's nice to me. I call my dog boyo. I don't know where okay. that ever came from. Maybe... Maybe nah, here. I've actually been calling him longer than... Never mind. But good quote, and my dog's cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to start that over? Or are you good with no, that? No. Okay. You. Screw you. All right. So, Brandon, let, let these fine folks know where they can find us and rate us. Yeah, thanks so much for hanging out with us on our inconsistently but consistently fun podcast. And we want mm-hmm. you to check us out. <laughs> I'm saying the times we record, yeah. it is what we it is. We have fun. We do. And uh, we want you to join us in any shape, form, or fashion that you feel fit. So, you can check out our website, randomfandomcast.com. You can email us, randomfandomcast at gmail.com. And, of course, we're on the Twitter, I think, still. I don't know. Yeah, we are. Okay, cool. We are so on the Twitter. There's no two thoughts about it. At RandomFandomWBB. Check us out on all the preferred podcasting resources like iTunes. rate us on these. Yeah. So not only listen, download, subscribe, but rate because we just want to know that somebody cares. Yep. Don't you care? So iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever your preferred of those three are, find us. Hang with us, listen to us, rate us. That's enough, Brandon. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm silencing myself. I went off a little bit too much on that one. Yeah, sorry about that. So I apologize. All right. Are we good? We're good. So thanks for being a fan of our fandom. Stay geeky. Why you